Chapter 9. Fishing on the Yadkin River It had been sixty years since Grandpa had done any fishing on the famous Yadkin River. Dad had told Mark and Luke about his dad's fishing exploits. John had exaggerated the stories, and with each telling, the fish got bigger and adventure more exciting. Like riding a bicycle, fishing the Yadkin River was something you just never forgot how to do. Every great fishing trip starts with a bucket of fine, moist compost and plenty of worms and grubs, said Grandpa, as he handed Mark a shovel. The boys trowelled through the edge of the garden looking for earthworms, and within fifteen minutes had enough to last everyone the entire day. Matthew decided at the last minute to join in on the earthworm hunt and was easily persuaded to come along on the fishing expedition. Mom came out of the kitchen door carrying four sack lunches and two canteens full of spring water. The troops were ready to make their assault on the unsuspecting whoppers that lurked in the Yadkin River, just waiting to be hauled up as trophies by the Spice Boys, who couldn't imagine anything going wrong with their plans. Grandpa wet his finger and lifted it up to the wind. Perfect day for fishing, he said. It was overcast with a slight drizzle and a gentle breeze. Fishing was good all year long in the Yadkin River, but if you were fishing for dinner instead of just the sport of it, you needed cold water and lots of clouds in the sky. These are exactly the conditions you would find at the Yadkin River in late autumn just before winter. All the conditions were ripe for a great fishing expedition. With buckets and poles and a box full of lures, hooks, and extra line, the three boys and an old man headed west toward a special spot that Grandpa had kept a secret since childhood. Grandpa was a skilled fly fisherman, but decided that trying to teach three boys how to fly fish was something better suited for a pond and not an outdoor adventure bursting with expectations of a bountiful fish fry. The conversation on the two-hour hike to the fishing spot was lively and hopeful, as all fishing trips are in the beginning. It was a good sign, thought Grandpa. As the boys approached the highly anticipated special fishing spot, Grandpa began whispering to the boys and taking exaggerated soft steps toward the rock outcropping that bordered the fishing spot. Why are we whispering? Luke asked. We don't want to scare the fish off, Grandpa said. Now let's all head for that spot behind the rock and out of sight of the river. Grandpa motioned as they all silently crept behind the rock and sat down. Fish can hear the vibration of your footsteps, Grandpa explained. If they think you're a bear or an otter, they will hide in the rocks. Now, said Grandpa in a whisper, this is where you come to untangle your lines. And don't make any unnecessary noise while you're fishing. Use hand signals if you want to communicate. And if you wave your hands, then I will know it means you need help, and I will be along as soon as I can. One more thing said Grandpa. Stay at least fifteen feet apart from one another and try not to get your lines tangled. The Spice Boys had done a lot of fishing, but felt like they were learning things they never imagined. They had never considered that fish knew a thing or two about not getting caught by overzealous young anglers. Grandpa was already making a big impression before they had even gotten their lines wet. Now, boys, I want you to follow me. The boys followed as Grandpa backtracked, keeping about fifty feet away from the river's edge, and marched the boys a couple hundred yards downriver. Okay, 
he said. This is a good spot. For fishing? Luke asked. No, said Grandpa. This is a good spot to let all your lines drift out in the water to get wet, and then reel it back in. Grandpa could see the boys were confused. Boys, we need to get the lines wet and do a couple casts. Dry line gets tangled easy, and so we need to carefully let the fishing line out and let it get wet, and then wind it back in a couple times so everything works smoothly. We're doing this downriver so we don't scare off all the fish in my fishing spot that are just waiting for you to catch them. With all the lines tested and the bugs worked out, everyone was ready to find the juiciest night crawler and catch their first fish. One more thing, boys, said Grandpa. Fish are fishers also, and they like to catch their dinner by hiding in places where the water is not running fast, like next to a log so they don't wear themselves out trying to swim against the current. They wait for something that looks good to eat to pass by, and then they dart out and swallow it. So look for spots where you can let your bait drift by them. The boys had no idea there were so many tricks to fishing, and they were taking it all in like little sponges. The part of fishing that involved water was about to begin. With a splash, Matthew's line was the first in the water. Grandpa came alongside and gave him a few pointers and then moved down the line to Mark. By the time he got to Luke, Matthew had caught his first fish, and it was a big one. The way it was trailing through the water and fighting, Grandpa immediately knew that Matthew had caught himself a large big-mouth bass. The fight for survival went on for about five minutes, and finally, Matthew pulled his prize to shore. It was a female about two feet long and weighing well over eight pounds. Grandpa helped Matthew take the hook out of the fish's mouth and held it up for Mark and Luke to see. Matthew, we need to put this one back in the water, said Grandpa. Why? asked Matthew. Two reasons, said Grandpa. The first reason is that this is a female about to lay her eggs. And the second reason is that we are fishing for dinner, and big mouth bass taste like mustard on mud. Matthew watched with interest as Grandpa showed him how to release a fish back into the river. The next one to catch a fish was Luke. Grandpa came alongside and helped Luke untangle his line and unhook the 12-inch smallmouth bass. Grandpa showed Luke how to put the stringer through the fish's mouth and out the gills. He found a good strong straight stick and shoved it into the soft wet river bank and tied it off. The smallmouth was then put in the water where he would stay fresh and alive until they were ready to return home. Just then, Grandpa heard a squirrel making a racket along with a couple of orange-crowned northern cardinals. Grandpa immediately recognized the signs. An intruder was nearby. He remained still and watched as a black bear stood up on its hind legs. He could see a white star on its chest. Grandpa nudged Luke, who was busy baiting his hook for his next conquest. Look where I am pointing. Luke looked and then grabbed Grandpa's arm with a tinge of fear. Nothing to worry about, Luke. We have invaded his fishing spot and he's just checking to make sure we don't stay too long. With that, the elusive and very shy black bear lumbered off and out of sight. Matthew no sooner had his line in the water when he caught another fish. This time it was a sunfish, a close relative to the bass, but much smaller, 
and not much of a fighter. Matthew pulled it in and carefully took the hook out of its mouth. Can I keep this one, Grandpa? Well, said Grandpa, do you know what kind of fish this is? No, sir, said Matthew. You have caught yourself a beautiful sunfish, beautiful to look at and just as awful to eat. Mustard on mud? Matthew asked. More like mushweed with small bones, said Grandpa. Matthew carefully reintroduced the sunfish to the river just like Grandpa had taught him. Good lad, said Grandpa. There was a quiet spell, and then the sun came out for about a half an hour and warmed up the top of the water. Fishing is about to get real good, encouraged Grandpa. Sure enough, within the next half hour they had caught a dozen fish. Five were keepers. Grandpa figured they were going to need to come home with at least twenty fish to feed the whole Spice family, and decided he had better get busy and catch some dinner. With the boys all within earshot, Grandpa found a small tributary and hiked upstream for about a quarter of a mile until he found the perfect spot. These streams were loaded with trout, and within a half an hour he had a stringer with six rainbows, two brooks, and one brown trout. When he returned, he found that Matthew had caught two nice-sized smallmouth bass. Luke had caught three more smallmouth bass and a sunfish that was too far gone to put back in the river, so they left it on a rock as a peace offering for the bear. Mark was the quietest of all the spice children. A thinker, Grandpa observed. Without alerting anyone to his success, he had managed to catch six very nice smallmouth bass and one medium-sized bigmouth bass. Grandpa gave the boys the wave signal, and they all retreated to behind the rock where they had a late lunch. As soon as Matthew had finished his sandwich, Grandpa said, You boys keep fishing. Matthew and I are going to take a quick hike up the river. Grandpa led the way, and within about fifteen minutes had located a perfect spot on one of the tributaries of the Yadkin. A perfect place for trout fishing. With little instruction and within about five minutes, Matthew had hooked a very large rainbow trout. It gave Matthew a good fight before it was finally pulled up on the sandy shore of the small brook that fed into the Yadkin River. Do we keep this one, Grandpa? asked Matthew. You just caught the most delicious freshwater fish in the entire state of North Carolina. Is it a keeper? asked Matthew. It will make a meal fit for a king, answered Grandpa. The fishing expedition was a resounding success, and would be remembered for years into the future. Everyone gathered around to admire the catch of the day. It was going to be a fish feast that would not be forgotten for a long time. Everyone relished the fish stories. The bear that Grandpa pointed out to Mark just before it retreated to the brush had grown by feet and hundreds of pounds, proving to Grandpa that a young boy's mind is filled with measuring devices unknown to most grown-ups. The four worn-out fishermen arrived back home just before dusk. The night had turned strangely warm, and Janet and Anna had decided that it would be a great night for eating outside. All the arrangements had been made. The cook fire was blazing, and a good four inches of charcoal supported a half-dozen pine logs. The fish were seasoned and put in the well-buttered pans to be fried up to perfection. Charlie was carefully carried to a lounge chair that had been especially prepared for him and was bundled up in blankets. 
The fish were cooked with care by Anna and Janet, and devoured by each member of the Spice family with noises that were Cook's music, mouth-watering testimonials to the finest cuisine in Elkin, North Carolina. Matthew put two pan-fried fish on his plate, a smallmouth bass and the rainbow trout he had caught with Grandpa in the brook above the Yadkin River. It was then that he decided to become a fly fisherman, on the trail of winding brooks with irregular bottoms, stumps, and drops, where the small eddies secreted the most delicious fish to ever grace a hot iron pan. Matthew had discovered the many wonders of the rainbow trout. Mark 1.17 And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. This free audiobook has been provided by Rock Island Books. To purchase a printed copy of this book, visit us at rockislandbooks.com. Use the code PODCAST25 for 25% off your purchase.